0: than a story, amen, it's, uh, it happened, it was real and um, we're going to go through it tonight, uh, many of you know that covered in Sunday school this past week for the adults at least, we had a killing, you thought we had a killing Sunday, today is really bad, so uh, this one is uh, not good. Which last time we left, in fact, I have to get my reference point. We've uh, been covering the book of Genesis, and we're going through it just slowly but surely. Let me get to Genesis chapter 7 here. Andrew, you got me on there? Okay, good deal. And um, doing a review just a little bit, and then we'll jump right into this and, and get going. Um, by the way, I do appreciate uh, Andrew and Nathan speaking they did Sunday, and um, you get through it tonight with me, and we'll get pastor back. Um, It is a blessing to have a pastor who is uh, worthy of just uh, our respect as a church, uh, that commands authority from the scriptures and preaches from this pulpit, Um, a great studied man, and um, I take time to to share that with you because, you know, sometimes we take it for granted, And um, it's a blessing. And it's a blessing to see, you know, we fill the gap. And, uh, you know, I had Pastor Shetler tell me one time, because he had had struggles with this, and he said, you know, guys, he said, uh, my wife told me, because he used to go home, you know, by the way, wives, men are always looking for that affirmative voice, right? You tell us whatever it is and what? We believe it, right? And uh, he used to soundboard off of her after a message, and she said, you know, Jim, She says if you delivered one biblical truth today, we will have been profited by it. So I hope tonight we deliver one biblical truth tonight. We think we can accomplish that. Pastor will uh, be proud, I'm sure, we'll do that. And uh, we can go ahead and jump right in to Genesis chapter 7. Before we do that, though, we do want to talk about a little bit about where we kind of ended off the last time in Genesis 6, and um, we know that in Genesis 6 that God had done something uh, in examining man. Um, and as he looked down, we know that in verse 5, it says that God what? Church, what did God do? God saw. You know, God sees, uh, he sees it all, doesn't he? The Bible says in Proverbs fifteen three, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding what? The evil and the good. God sees it all. That word that we see here, Saul, it comes from the, uh, in, in the Hebrew, it's um, the way it was written out there, phonetically the way are. Saul, discerning, judging. It was a weighing type of a look. It was, it was discerning and seeing something, being able to make sense of it. Um, my wife and I were, talk, I were talking just for church about our, our eye strength. Start reading the boxes of the contacts, you know. By the way, mine's 4.75, so if you take mine out, I'm blind. I did not know Amber was worse than mine, though. So be sure to take advantage of your sweetheart whenever yours are out. It's terrible not to be able to discern things and see things. When we discern things, we discern them against a standard, don't we? And I think about what God's standard is and His holiness and who He is. And when God sees it, He doesn't wink at it. He doesn't He doesn't look away in the sense of accepting it. Um, it has to be dealt with. When God looked down in verse 5, what was being challenged was His holiness and His justice. By the way, we know that Scripture tells us that these days are much. We know that when the Son of Man comes, it's going to be like what? The days of Noah. We can look around and we can see where no doubt God sees the wicked and he sees the wickedness. And it is a challenge to his holiness and his justice. I thank God for his long suffering. You know, but for the grace of God, his long suffering towards us, there we'd be. But there is a world around us, and in a day when we look around us and we see um, all the strife and, and and I'll tell you this: a lot of you know care and concern comes to mind. Uh, we start to get fearful. Um, people begin to laugh and mock. People, I mean, it's there's a lot of arrogance out there. Um, you think about it: the animals came. But people didn't because people were, they were filled with security and sensuality. And really at the end of the day, all they were concerned about was eating, drinking, marrying, and carrying out their normal everyday behavior. I think it's easy to indict the world. I think this passage, as we go through it, we can easily understand and discern it. I think as we apply and understand what God sees and discerns, I think the much harder thing to understand is how he sees us individually, those that are saved and baptized and serving in the church. Granted, it's not a direct correlation to what we're going to see here or a type of what's going on here, but God does judge the world. And by the way, there's a judgment for us in the sense that, you know what, God sees us. And he doesn't look away, and he sees everything that we do. In fact, the Bible says we can do what to the Spirit? We can grieve him. And that is a tremendous thing when we think about being able to grieve God, grieve the Spirit of God, and to understand that God is not aloof. People want to believe in this world that God is really just an instrument uh, of religion, to fill people's lives and give them a sense of doing something worthwhile. But God is, a, is wanting to have a very close and intimate relationship. We know that the Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the same saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. We know that Noah also is one that has been, that we know in here, he's said to have walked with God. He has a tremendous relationship with God. I think about where Noah could have easily have taken his, uh, his mind and his heart in comparison, uh, in comparison against the people of that day and could have thought, you know what, certainly I don't have to do much to be above this, this standard. But yet we see a heart that goes way beyond just kind of not doing wrong. We see a heart that's committed to doing not only what for what God sees, but what God says. And then, you know, the end of this, and we're going to get there and just in case we don't by midnight, flip over to chapter 8. And and you know when, what God saw, what He says, and He's going to be very distinct in what He says. He's going to give He's going to give that He's, he's you know all the instruction uh, to Noah. And um, you know as Noah went forth, in verse twenty, it says that he built an altar. In verse twenty one, what did it say? The Lord, what what sense is going on here? He what? He smelled what? A sweet savor. You know, our Lord, he sees things and he appreciates them. By the way, I smell stuff all the time. Uh, when I go downtown, there's uh, there's some places down there that have sacrifices going, I guess. Uh, Chuck's Burgers is scary. Uh, they're pumping out all kinds of stuff. It smells good. And I feel good. By the way, I never even want to go to meetings. I just want to stand in the street and inhale the uh, the exhaust from Chuck's. Um, that's strange, brother. Well, it's just the way I work. Um, <laughs> you know, God smelled a sweet savor. It had little to do with the sacrifice. It had everything to do with Noah's heart. And so that's it. We're done. No, I'm just kidding. Um Chapter 6 does begin, is really this this whole thing as we go into it. And in verse 22, we see Noah's response. And we see that he did all that, to all that God commanded him. That's part of, think about what God said. So let's pick up in verses 1 through 4 in chapter 7. It says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female. And of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. God in seeing all that has gone on with mankind and seeing his wickedness and understanding that the justice and holiness of his character is now moved to act. And in this is a gracious invitation, first of all. What was this invitation? Well, it was a call that was kind. It was, it was one that was dear in the sense of, you think about how God looked upon this earth. I don't know about you, but if you think about the population that's potential to that time, most people would tell you that the population was similar to what we have today. That's huge. That's massive. I could only imagine with one language that those population centers were central, centralized uh, in a in a great way. I can only imagine when God looked down. And and I shared this with you last time. When someone lives a long time, have you learned a few things in your time? By the way, appreciate those who've been working upstairs. Um, Sir, typically, okay, you do that kind of stuff. We don't know what's going on. They seem to know. We come in and the church is painted. <laughs> it's great. I was like, praise the Lord. You know, I've been studying this week, and I even told my wife I said oh, I would have kind of goaded on to to do it. And I said, but I've been studying this week, just didn't have time, and it, that was a huge encouragement to walk up there. But you know, there were some people, about, and I, and I love how when Nathan's in the room. It's amazing how we defer to Nathan. I mean, if he's in there, it's like, Nathan, we need that thing cut like, yeah, okay, you do that. Thank you, and we walk away, right? (laughs) (laughs) Nathan, you've learned a few things, and that's an encouragement. Think about what you would learn in 500 years. I mean, you think you could find a better way to do something? Yeah, get somebody else to do it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But you know, all right, so that's, that's the positive. Think about what sin does for someone who's gone there and is there in their heart and in their mind. And think about how that corruption built on itself. We have prisons today because we're scared to let those folks out. I feel like they let them out too often. But there's some in jail because, you know what, they'd do it again. they do worse. These people were violent, and, and and they were just, it was a horrible thing. And you thought might think God would just destroy this entire planet. But you know what his eyes were also searching for? A Noah. And you know, I know that it gets discouraging right now. And it gets hard. But God's looking for a Noah. Even now. He's looking at you, believer. And he says, You know what? I realize there's a lot of bad things going on. But he's looking. And. We can find favor in his eyes. The devil would paint a picture of God that is distant, is cold, and tells you what you can't do. And tries to be restrictive. And yet, here God has been long-suffering to these folks. And this invitation here that is given to Noah, Noah is patient. His age is 600 years old. This man has had to endure a lot. If you think about the time in which he lived, he would have reaped as much violence as anyone, and I'm sure more due to the fact that he he, he was his stand he took and where he was. We know that when the Lord said unto Noah, Come you think about how intimate that was how kind it was, how gracious it was, he could have told to go Noah's not going to go anywhere where the Lord isn't already he says come you know we can definitely be comforted to know that Christ has not asked you to come anywhere that he had not already been it's where he stands and he knows that he can just say come and you can trust that he's been there and that he was tempted in all points. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is a picture of salvation in all of this. Tonight we'll probably stick more to the, the narrative itself. But I want you to understand as we lay the groundwork for this, uh, it, there is such a relationship to where we're at, to where Noah was, In the time that we live. I think about how in obedience, when he constrained himself and how it appeared to be holding him back. Because everybody else was moving forward in life, quote unquote. And when you obey, you only benefit yourself. See, the devil would tell you, well, you only benefit those who's telling you what to do. Authority, God, you're just benefiting them. And yet obedience benefits us. I think about Adam and Eve. They would have been benefited to have obeyed. But they didn't obey. Young people, I'm telling you, that's a lie of the devil when he says, disobey. Be free of this. This is for your good. It is the most destructive instruction you'll ever get in your life. And this is where Noah's at. He's had to make a decision. His family would benefit. By the way, he'd have a perfect family. We know Ham's going to have his mistakes, right? Be very consequential in, in the future. But I will tell you this. I believe Noah was responsible in leading his home, and he did that. And children do make their own decisions at some point. And Ham will do that, and he'll make a mistake. We understand the call that, like I said, this call that he gives, it was a type of the gospel, it's a type of baptism here. Um, we know that from First Peter uh, 3 passage. Um, what did Noah do when all this happened? What is is the expectation? Quit everything and do this. You know, when we get saved, we we turn 180 and our work's for the Lord. It's not about what's here. Noah's completely consumed with what God has for him. By the way, the goal is to bring as many as you can with you. Noah had a horrible in the sword of the Lord. He would not have fared well. Seriously, Noah, you got seven billion people. How many did you get? Well, outside of my family, there the there were some animals that I'm telling you. I thought the parrot said, uh, "Yeah, you know, he wanted to get right." No, he had nothing. And I think about how God shut him in and eternally seals us in salvation. So a lot of things we could correlate with there, but we're going to keep moving through. As we look at it here, um, also there's just a little bit repeated again. In, in verse 13, talking about, In the self day entered Noah, and Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and three wives of his sons, with them into the ark. Hey, by the way, the multiple wife thing, if there was ever a time when it was going to be applicable, wouldn't it have been here? Hey, guys, go pick you up four or five wives. How many wives go with them? One each. And and here they are. Yeah. If you think of what is their challenge. What are they going to be doing? <laughs> Repopulating Earth. How would you like that task? <laughs> Repop. Hey, can you? Uh, yeah, can you take care of these animals? And when you get done, can you repopulate the Earth? How many needs? A billion. Okay. people who try to justify that. you have a hard time with this passage right here. So you know as we look at this um, you know Noah here has been deemed righteous and you see that in verse one. Um, you know this call was a result also of Noah's integrity. It was the kindness of God that invited him. God was gracious to him and didn't did not have to reach out in that way but he did. He had this walk with Noah, and because of Noah's in, integrity, he was deemed righteous by God. And God takes notice. And um, you know, as you look at this, um, you know, you find the good and the bad here. You know, as you as you look at this, the you find that the in, in this calamity and things that are going to take place. Um, that Noah's going to be protected. This world is going to face its judgment finally. Maybe even Noah felt that way as he looked around. If you look down um, and see what they're back in verse two of what they're supposed to take there, orders given for the creatures. You know, we have the people that, are, that God's told them to put on the ark and 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 all those that He's gonna He's gonna continue to reach out and preach. We see here the the orders given for the creatures. Verses 14 and 15, kind of similar to creation. They're after what? What does it say it's after? They're kind, all right? So we don't need every variation of dog. Um, I don't think my dog would have made it. But there was, there was a dog on there. Um. I really wish when those mosquitoes flew around Noah just had an accident. Oh! You know, but it didn't work that way. Oh! It's a good thing I can't go back in time. There's a few things like that you'd get rid of, wouldn't you? I don't know. But you, you see here that by the way, when he preserved these creatures, who did he have in mind? He had man. He had Noah in mind. Even the task, by the way, I would not have wanted to be trapped with animals for over a year. In a small, in a, it's really small, relatively small, in a box without air conditioning. Because I don't hear about air conditioning being built in this thing. I'm sure there was some venting maybe. But you know, you think about this. He's got he's got the zoo with him. But that's there for them. That's provision for them. And knowing that these animals here, you know, he even brings the unclean, um, brings more of the clean, and uh, mostly in a service to man, but also... The seven represents the one that would be sacrificed to God. Kind of similar to our, our week, isn't it? You know, and you think about when God started in six days and then took that last day there. Yeah, you know, here's six. And then there's one that's going to be a sacrifice to God. So as we look at this, um, he tells them there that... Uh, In verse four, how many days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth? Seven days. And so, as he, he says, "In the earth and, and rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth." He's letting no one know when this thing's going to happen. I can only imagine the urgency. In his voice, Can you imagine people that have no clue? We know that in verses 5 through 10, let's look there. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean beasts, of beasts that are not clean, of fowls and everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two, and two unto Noah unto the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. You know, we look at this. Noah had endured for a long time. He'd been put through an extraordinary trial just in his life. Now he's going to be put to a greater trial in enduring this this thing and it's in the second month and the 17th day we see here that as noah does this he's he's you know we see that he secures here the security of God's people and we know that once he's removed then judgment comes should be an encouragement to the church to know that God takes his people out and gets them settled long before that judgment comes. And Noah is going to get settled and taken care of. And those animals are going to be in there. And no doubt there's, there's a time when they're able to, to walk in. I don't think anybody's running in getting wet. God's taking care of it. And you don't have to worry about that as a believer. you got to stay at the task and what you're supposed to be doing. And you patiently wait for God. And that's what he's doing. The world's going to be dealt with. And we know the fountains of the deep here are open. The, and and everything's going to be torn up. And I think about how much water is under the ground at this time. It must have been tremendous the way it just ripped through. And I think about, I mean, today you think about how much magma is under the ground. They say Yellowstone could blow up and blow up half the country or something, you know. That, that you know, you think about it, there's a lot of things going on under the earth that you don't know about. And um, I think about things like Yellowstone. I read up on that and stuff. I think, you know, well, it, said it wouldn't be water, but it could be fire. Um, so but then again, you don't have to worry about it, right? Of course, where's America in the end times, right? No. Um, now we're about to worry about it, right? So... We learn that in all of this, all is at his disposal. And, um, you know, you think about this, it's, it's going to be impossible to escape judgments. It's going to be impossible for them to run and go anywhere else. And, um, you know, everything that's been put here has been put here by God, and he has the right to remove it and destroy it. And some people have a hard time with that. God can do whatever he wants with what he creates. He is sovereign. And um, we see there in verses 17 through 20, And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the the ark went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. When God judges, he overcomes. I think about how he's waited, and his long suffering has been there. He's been patient, and he has waited on man in this way. And it's the gradual approach of this imminent doom that has made man presumptuous about his place in the world. And I want to tell you something man believes that he can survive. I mean, Hillary Clinton believes that we can populate Mars. I know who the first candidate is. <laughs> they shot a car into space just this past week. I'm like, put a few people on it, I'll give you a few names. They believe that. Think about how arrogant it is to believe that we, through environmentalism, and, and I'm talking about ext- extremism of environmentalism. I'm talking about taking care of things like we should. I'm talking about people who restrict humanity <laughs> and the lives of humanity and its and its profit for things that are hoaxes, you know, global warming and everything else, as somehow or another. They're going to save the planet. You know. That's why they're giving out $1,000 fines to people who hand out straws in California too many. If you have five people at the table, you hand out six. I think it's $1,000 per straw or something like that. Up to imprisonment. You know. God's going to... He can take care of it though. To what degree did God do this and bring that judgment? He brought it above the highest point. In fact, God... Measured it, didn't he? It was God who said that. Now you can you can trust if it said 15 cubits. I think it's on the money. And um, you know you think about what becomes of the ark. By the way, you would think with all billions of people here, were there structures during this time? Certainly there were. They were destroyed. And that which broke everything else up bore up the ark. And the higher the ark rose, the higher, closer it got to heaven. And it was suspended and protected. And that's the way this. When you contrast what God is to this world, to God is for the believer, just as equally as He is the world's judge, He is our provider. He is our shield. He is our buckler. He is everything to us. And just as much as he had his wrath and his anger poured out upon this simple world in his time, he had his provision for Noah, and he had that ark in place. And that structure would survive, and that structure would go up. And the reason why it went up 15 cubits was because experts say based on its size, it drew 11 cubits in the water in its depth. Think about that. And, and the fact that it's able to move around up there until everything stops. In verses 21 through 24, it says, And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man. And in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died, and every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth and Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth a hundred and fifty days. And so as we come to this point, we recognize that the, the general destruction of the flood, we see all the cattle, the fowl, the creeping things dying. I point back to his sovereignty. This is magnifying what? His holiness and his justice. By the way, if you think about the animals and you think it's not real fair, think about what God did right after Adam and Eve sin. You see, all of creation groaneth because of sin. They were suffering to begin with. And, um, you know, as God deals with this, All of those things dying. And in his sovereignty he is still God and he is still good. Secondly, all men, women, and children died. Billions of people drowning. First, they drowned in that security and sensuality long before. This was going nowhere fast. Hey, you know some of this. I think about the children that would have died. There was greater hope for them now, and and for those that you know, I think about the babies. I think about those, and you think about that. They would have been spared uh, in that way. What did they do? What did these people do when this was going on? Did they climb? Did they claw? Bible says they were surprised because they were living life and the next moment everything broke loose. And for those that survived, you know, they might have thought maybe I'll just, you know, I've seen where people survive in the ocean for a long time. Maybe they think, you know, maybe if we just last this out. Hey, maybe hell just isn't too long. Maybe I'll just get through it. These people are still screaming in hell right now. You had an opportunity. And just like you'll never escape the drowning waters of that flood, you'll never escape hell. It's forever we cannot, we, we can't see any other way out of this than the opportunity afforded to them through Noah. And um, so as they come to this, we see that general destruction of the flood in this time. We see also the special preservation of Noah and his family. You know, Noah lives during this time. He gets to live. Um Turn over to Ezekiel 14, 14 real quick. Look there. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. And uh, it's talking about... I'm going to judge these people. It'll be, for someone like Noah, even if he was here during this time, he could do no more than do what? Save himself. Save his family. And I, I think about that. Noah lives, and that's all. Do you get that? Noah lives, and this is all. Noah, you get to live. Okay? Now put yourself in that ark. If I turn the lights out right now, we shut that door. And I find a way to feed you. And I cram in a bunch of dirty animals. All right, maybe they bathed them before they came in. On the first day, it's awkward. By the 30th, it's crazy. And halfway through the year, I don't think any of us will be alive. You know? Can you appreciate life? Noah had life, and this is all. Can you ever understand what it means to exist? When he gets off this ark, will he be able to check into the nearest hotel? Will he be able to stop by McDonald's and get him a burger? No. Oh, it's it's wonderful to be alive. But that's all it is. He's alive. It tells you a lot about, in God's economy, what's important. You see, I know I've diminished it on purpose and things, but our relationship with God is all we need. And I think we get so distracted. And the reason why I know we, because I say we. I get distracted with the things of this world and things around me at times. And I'm looking and you you think, well, you want to do this. You want to go here. You want to be that. You want to do You need to be happy that God's given you life. And as a believer, eternal life. And when you digest that, you can go sit in a wood box with a bunch of animals for a year and it's okay. You know why? Because God said what? Come. And you came. Do you trust him? I think young people, this is one of the biggest challenges we face. By the way, it's true for adults too, but I see it with young people. You know, make a decision to come. Trust God. There are things out there that are tantalizing. want to draw you away. You think you need something. It's need that makes the infomercials go around, and it certainly makes the devil happy, right? He can paint need anywhere he wants. And we need to be careful. Noah lives, and that is all. And it's okay. When Noah, when Noah's living, and everybody else is living on the ark, every day he got up, he'd go, Okay. Everybody alive? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Woof. Meow. Okay. Check. Everybody's alive. I have, um, when we're going through Acts, I I hope you picked up on the theme that I'm encouraging you as a church to understand (laughs) that our patience in serving God does not always render the souls that we want to see on the ship with us. And it sometimes doesn't render all the activity that we think we need. But I can promise you this, if I have a walk with God and I check that, that's all I need. And and we've got to get a grasp of that. If we don't, then we're always going to be looking to fill that need. By the way, the reason why mankind became so corrupt is because they were looking to fill a need they couldn't fill. And it destroyed this planet. It has consequences. We move from verse 24 there to, you know, 8, one says, And God remembered Noah. Isn't it amazing that with billions of people on this planet I want to tell you something. There are important people right now on this planet. There are people that you said, "Hey, if he were to talk to me, man, they would sign my book. If they were, if if I were to see them in 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 the mall or down the street, I'd go talk to them." You know. There are important people in this world. Um, my mind just drew a blank. I'll never forget working at Little Rite Aid and have a senator. Beside me, get picking up makeup. What was her name? Um, Elizabeth Dole. I was kind of weirded out because I was kind of around the makeup session, but I, I mean, I had to do my job. But um, and there she is, and I go, "That's Senator Dole." You know, so corny, like I did talk to her, and you know, I'm sure it drove her crazy at 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, "Where's your bodyguards? And why are you here in Brentwood, Rite Aid?" You know. <laughs> There were important people who lived there in that time. Do you know how many names that we have recorded in the history of mankind about them? None. None. But one. And God remembered Noah. It's the righteous. It's the obedient. That matter. And in God's economy, that's what matters. And so you can have billions of people, and they can live as long as they want, and they can be as great as they want. Don't don't be fooled. Cain went off, and he created a race that was superior in technology as far as they could go. They were not cave men; these were great people in the sense of their accomplishments, but not a one of them is really me- is remembered for, from Noah's time. You know, you, you think about that, that's, that's, what really matters? People want to be remembered. They're remembered no more. Then God tells the, he, he begins to speak and he says, God made a wind to pass over the earth, the waters assuaged, and the fountains also the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain was res- rain of heaven was restrained, rain from heaven was restrained and the waters returned from off the earth continually And after the end of 150 days the waters were abated and the ark rested in the seventh month, on the 17th day uh, of the month upon the mountains of uh, Ararat. The waters decreased continually until the 10th month. And then the 10th month on the first day of the month were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that uh, Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and he sent forth a raven which he sent forth to and fro until the waters dried up from off the earth. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him in the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. <clears throat> then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into him into the ark. And he, set, and he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew, knew that the waters were abated. Uh, from off the earth, and he stayed yet other seven days. What's he? Every seven days, by the way, the commentators believe he's doing this on the Sabbath days. like, you know, praise the Lord, we're, we're going to get out of here eventually, but I'm, I just want to see. He's inquisitive. He's looking at these things. He he sees God, God commands this wind, uh, beginning to, he's he's remanding the waters. And um, the ark rests here, of course, as it settles down, what a great day when it did and it parked. And it stayed down. And, um, you know, it's interesting. For all that God told Noah, he never, he told Noah when it was coming. What did he not tell Noah? (laughs) That's right, when this is done. And that was a test of what? Noah's faith. By the way, Noah was saved by faith. We know that. We know that, you know, as you go through um, particularly Romans and, you know, you understand that it's by faith that these Old Testament saints were were saved, but you know Noah had faith, but you know what I like? Noah's inquisitive, I'm glad he did that i- w- I could not have believed that I could have sat there without sending out some birds or something. He's just curious, right, and he is not reprimanded for that he's He's allowed to do that. The ground eventually becomes dry, and um and that's in verse fourteen. And I want to tell you something. Noah does not move until verse 15. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark. Interesting. When he came into the ark, what did God say, Do? Come, not. Now he says, Go, not. Guess who's been in the ark the whole time with him? God has. You know, I, th- I think sometimes we, we live our life, <laughs> and, and granted, I'm sure he had no warm fuzzies. I'm sure there was no like, beaming light in the place where God is making himself manifest. But God is in that ark with Noah. And I think sometimes we get discouraged because we think God's up there and he's like go and come, not come and go. God is in it with us. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ put that emphasis on the spirit the Spirit of God that resides within us and the power that that brings. And so you see that here, and it's a tremendous blessing that Noah, he shows discipline in that he waits. He doesn't move. I'm telling you, after a year, I'd be crazy. I'd be a half loon. I'd be done jumped out the window somewhere. Now Noah, disciplined, holding the line. You just tell me when to go. And in verses 15 through 19, they get dismissed from the ark. Can you imagine? I don't even know how you walk after that. I don't know if they did exercises on the ark. Um, But they go forth in verse 18. And then in verse 19, um, all the other things begin to creep and crawl out of there. And the mosquitoes started biting them. And so everything is now beginning to leave the ark. And boy, we get to this point here. Noah builds an altar. And you know, when Noah built this altar, I'm going to tell you something. If I'm in the family. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're getting all Whoa, 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 what are you doing? We got like seven of those. You're going to kill one? We got, I, okay, two, four, six. Can we not have some babies first, then maybe kill one? Right? I mean, we right now we got a zoo, and it's full of endangered species. <laughs> you would also talk about, this is terrible. You know, here comes off the animals. you just survived the world end, and you get sacrificed right <laughs> off the heart. That had to be discouraging. You know, the other animals go, you know what, I never trusted him the whole time we were in there. And uh, he kept looking at me funny. Um, so, anyway, they... They come off the ark, and the first thing he does is grab an animal and kill it. And somebody's going, one, two, three, four, five, six, okay. Keep Dad away from the animals. Don't think he understands. And he offered a burnt offering because someone who understands that life is like that, right? It's not about that animal listen, if we could kill every one of these animals right now and God will still take care of us. And I know sometimes when we have need, we begin to doubt God's provision. Noah didn't. The entire planet has been destroyed. He's got very few resources. And the first thing he does is offer back to God a resource. Guess what? That was God's. That is God's. Everything that's here. And he builds this altar. The first thing I would have thought about, listen, when I got off the ark, the first thing I would have done was I would have went out and I would have built an air conditioner out of bamboo and rocks. I don't know how I would do it, but I would built an air conditioner. I would have built a hut, you know. I don't think I could have been as spiritual as Noah. Noah was concerned about what? Worshiping God. You know why? Because he is worship. He deserves it and no matter matter what happens God is the giver of life and I don't have to have a thing to my name and none of this that was on that ark was mine to begin with. God has blessed me and the first thing I'm going to build and I want my family to see that the first thing we're building and the first amount of energy because I guarantee you when they're looking around is nothing they're going to build an altar to the Lord and You know, they they offer of the clean animals here, the best here. And we begin to see in the very beginning that actions matter. It's not just what you say. It's what you do. And he measures up to a life of faith. That's why he's in the faith chapter. And he does this and God accepts it. The Bible says there, and, and you know, as, we, as we're reminded, that the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more living thing. By the way, that sounds like a weird statement, but God says, I recognize that man is sinful, but I'm not going to destroy the planet again this way. We're not going to do it this way. And he says there, while the earth remaineth, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And so he resolves to keep the course of nature here, not to drown the world again, and he creates a covenant with man. And as we come to the end of this, no doubt Noah you know, had sacrificed and been obedient to the Lord. but there was one big there was one big thing in the way and it was this affront to God's holiness and justice that was going on at the same time and then we get to this point where he smells the sweet savor his wrath has been appeased and he can look at that sacrifice and he is reminded not of Noah's faith but he's reminded of what that represents because one day there will be a need in sacrificing something greater than that animal sacrifice. And it won't be the loss of a seventh animal. It will be the loss of His only Son in that sense, of dying on the cross. It will be His giving. And He is reminded of how that's going to satisfy His wrath. That should be equally poured out. Upon all mankind again. And yet he placed it where? On his son. It's a sweet savor. Not because he enjoyed. The. the Judgment in that sense. But we, we have to realize. That God in his holiness. And his justice. He is no longer God. If those things are not satisfied. And. And we need not be upset with the truth in our life when it doesn't work out the way we wanted it to It's the reason why things have to be the way they are. You mean the Word of God says that and I got to live that way well that's hard yeah, it's hard because our bodies don't want to live that way our flesh doesn't want to live that way. it's the reason why people who kind of wink at sin and you know kind of you know churches who think it promote the world within the church it's kind of like we think that's that's what's going to do it no let's do the hard things you know for lighthouse baptist church the hard thing is promoting the truth and living by it because I want to tell you something the truth must be there god's god's holiness and his justice demand it and when he saw man he measured them by the truth by his word and, you know, when we think about our lives and we think about Noah and what he went through, it's really, it's really about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's really about God and who he is in justice and in holiness. As we go forward from here, I just challenge you. Think about what's really important. And think about what God wants from your life. And then think about that it's not It will will benefit us more than we'll ever imagine. And Noah's able to reap life. And I pray you have that life eternal. I pray you've made that spiritual decision. Because I can guarantee you this, my friend. If you're sitting here tonight and you're not saved, God's justice will be dealt with. His holiness will be, that will be appeased. There's a day when this world's going to be judged. And we recognize that it it don't take anything for it to happen. I mean, it could just be any moment, and we're gone. And then, my friend, all you're left with is scratching and clawing, and there's no place to hide. Think about that. If you're not saved tonight, the challenge has been to believers a lot tonight, but I'll tell you this, to sit here, no doubt, I got you, there were people who helped Noah build that ark, I don't know that died outside of it. Make sure you're not one of those. Let's pray and we'll be dismissing. Only Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for thy word. Lord, I thank you for the the encouragement that I can see that a holy and righteous God could extend mercy and be as long-suffering as you did and have been and continue on. Lord, certainly our prayer is that you come Lord, we think about, we look around us, we see the violence of this world. We see how it violates who you are. And yet, Lord, you still reach out with loving arms. Lord, we thank you for what was done at Calvary and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that tonight that we would keep in focus what's really important and stay at the course so that you've called us to do and be faithful to your will and plan for our life. I pray if there be one here tonight that does not know you as Savior, that tonight would be the night of salvation. That they would approach someone and ask and get help. Well, we thank you so much for this time. Now, thank you for these folks. Pray your blessing now as, as we uh, prepare to leave. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.